0: You are listening to the weekly podcast from Journey Christian Church. For more information about Journey, please check out our website at journeychristian.com. We are a community of fully devoted disciples of Jesus who reach out to love our neighbors, serve the hurting, and develop leaders for ministry. Uh, today's going to be a great day as we explore a Bible story that you're probably familiar with, but we're going to try to bring some new content to that for you Today. Last week, as you know, we launched a brand new series called Clutch, Who Are You When It Matters Most? And I don't know if there's a better question than that question, who are you when it matters the most? This series is where we pull back the curtains and we take a deeper look, a deeper dive at someone we might call Mr. Clutch himself. And you may know that we're looking at the life of David, God, one of God's greatest men of faith. Let me put David in historical and spiritual perspective so that you get an idea of just how influential he is in the Old and even in the New Testament. Did you know that David is the first person named in the New Testament after Jesus? That's a pretty significant place to have your name. Look what the ver- the Bible says, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. This is the first verse of the New Testament. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David. So David's listed right there at the beginning of the New Testament, but he's also the last person named in the New Testament except for Jesus. Take a look at this verse. These are Jesus' words. He said, "I am the root and the offering offspring of David, and then it goes on to say, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people, amen. So again, just to put things in historical and spiritual significance, David is a big deal. I mean, when your your name is placed in those two areas of the New Testament, you're somebody that God wants us to take a look at. In fact, more verses in the Bible are devoted to David than anyone else except for Jesus. And this is no accident. This is by God's design. God wants us to see something about the life of David. He wants us to peer deeply into David's life and look closely at a man who served God well. David wasn't perfect. No one is perfect. But he did possess the one thing that God prizes more than anything else. The one thing that matters most to God, David had in spades. You know what that was? David had trust. He trusted God with his whole heart. David's life and love for God shows us exactly how we are to love God with our whole heart. Every day, David would rise and grind, so the phrase goes. I mean, he was at it every day, doing what he needed to do to do to prepare himself for whatever God had in store for him. And then one day, After stacking days upon days of grinding it out for God, God called his number. God called his name. said, it's time to get in the game, my friend. Let's go. And the title of this message is, Be Willing to Take the Big Shot. So David was just a teenager when the high priest Samuel anointed him as the future king. And as we learned last week, it would be 15 years before he would actually become king. And during this preseason one of the most famous battles in all of history takes place. And it's not a battle between two armies. It's a battle between two men. And the men are David and Goliath. This victory, by the way, launched David from obscurity as a shepherd boy to the very pinnacle of fame throughout all of his history and really the entire world even to this day. The battle between David and Goliath is truly epic. Now, you can use the word epic with a lot of things. But in this case, the word epic really does apply. So much so that even 3,000 years later after this battle, this, this, this battle is still used really as, a, as the best metaphor when we see an underdog go up against the favorite. When the, when the odds are overwhelmingly against the underdog, This is still the metaphor that everybody uses. It's even the metaphor we use in our own lives when we face life's greatest challenges and biggest giants, David and Goliath. And there's not a person in this room, not a person who hears my voice, who hasn't had to face a giant. Oh, let's be honest with ourselves. You've had to face some giants in your life. And the two biggest giants we face are worry and fear. Worry and fear, I call these the twin enemies of faith. They work together. Worry and fearfulness call out to us morning and evening. They're like the playground bully. They're always calling out to us, always demanding that we doubt God's goodness, that we question God's faithfulness, that we rely on our own strength. But worry and fear, my friends, lie to you. Don't believe the lie. The story of David and Goliath shows us that no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter what you've done, the battle belongs to the Lord. It always does. And the battle belongs to the Lord is something we need to understand. And because it belongs to the Lord, we need not worry. We need not fear. In fact, there's a verse in Isaiah where God says, fear not, for I am with you, he says. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So let's dive into the details of this epic story. And the story begins in 1 Samuel chapter 17. You can follow along on the screen. You can use a a, a Bible in the back of your seat there. Or if you brought your own Bible, feel free to use that as well. But the story begins with these ominous words. Now, the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Socah in Judah. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites the other hill with the valley in between them. Now, this story takes place in the Valley of Elah, which is in Israel. The Valley of Elah is actually 15 miles to the west of Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem is where David was born but it's also where Jesus was born. We'll get back to that in a moment. Picture the setting. Two armies are camped on hillsides between a valley, one on the the right, one on the left, the valley in between. Each morning, they, they draw up in battle formations waiting for the opposing army to attack. Each army is confident that positioning themselves on the hillside above the valley is the best strategic advantage they could have over their enemy. But so far, after 40 days, neither army has crossed into the valley. In fact, the Bible tells us only one man has even dared enter into the valley. And that man is Goliath. Every day, Goliath comes into the valley and he taunts the army of Israel. And as the days go by... The, t- this, the text tells us he gets bolder and bolder, he comes closer and closer, and soon, he's at the very base of the hillside where the Israel army is camped. And it was an ancient custom, you need to know, to send out your best fighter, your, your champion, to, for a winner takes all, fight to the death. And then the losing army would lay down their arms and surrender without anyone else having to die. Now, that rarely happened. No army wants to go down without a fight. Typically, this served as more of an entertainment, a warm-up, a, it's a pre-show for the real battle and the real fight to take place. So every morning and every evening, Goliath would make his way down the hillside, come across the valley floor, and, 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 and then flaunt his size and his strength, just daring someone to come out and fight him. Look what the scriptures say. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your servants. If I am able to overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. And on hearing the Philistine's words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. They were dismayed and terrified. Why were they terrified? Well, for starters, Goliath was massive. I mean, he was a big dude. 1 Samuel 17 says, Then the champion came out from the armies of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Goliath. From Gath that just sounds like the name of a giant. That's a lot better than Harvey from a Popka. <laughs> right? I mean, Goliath from Gath. I mean, that's a, like Godzilla, the Hulk, you know. In fact, look at this guy here. This is a couple of basketball players. They're not playing anymore, but just I mean, that's seven feet six tall. Goliath was almost nine feet tall, just a little over nine feet. In fact, that's, by the way one of the tallest NBA players to ever play, and the shortest, five three, the shortest NBA player to ever play. Now, I'm not saying that's David and Goliath, but I'm just trying to give you a comparison to how big Goliath might have been. The scriptures, if you interpret what it says about his cubits, it's like nine feet, seven inches tall. He was a really big dude. I mean, that's intimidating. In fact, the scriptures say, this is interesting, that Goliath belonged to a family of giants. In fact, Samuel, 2 Samuel says that he had four brothers, all uh, were large, gargantuan men. Not monsters, just especially large humans. But it wasn't just his size, it was also the way he carried himself, his appearance, according to the Scriptures. Look what it says. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. That's 125 pounds. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and his iron point weighed 600 shekels. His uh, shield bearer went ahead of him. He even had a shield bearer who carried a shield for him. I think in my head, as big as Goliath was, you wonder why he even needed armor. Right? I mean, nobody even come out and fight him, so why does he even need armor? He carried three weapons, a massive sword, a javelin, a spear. His spear weighed just itself 15 pounds. And this is what's interesting. There wasn't a single soldier from Israel who would fight Goliath. Not even one. Not even Saul, who was the king, would come out and fight him. And Saul, by the way, was a rather large man himself. In fact, the Bible says Saul was head and shoulders above Israel. And it's not talking about his spiritual maturity. It's talking about his physical size. Now, Goliath was a godless man. He relied on his own strength. But Saul and all of the soldiers of Israel's army had also forgotten where their strength comes from. And as a result, Saul and the whole army were worried and afraid. They didn't just Faced one giant, Goliath, they were facing three giants, Goliath and worry and fear. And what was true then is true today. If you forget where your strength comes from, you will live in fear. Let me say that again. If you forget where your strength comes from, and it's not from yourself, it's from God. If you forget that, you will live in worry and fear. David would later write in Psalm 46, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in times of trouble. So while all this is going on in the Valley of Elah, there's this teenage boy, a shepherd boy from Bethlehem, and he's making the 15-mile journey at the request of his father, who has sent him to bring some supplies, some food, to his three brothers who are in the army. David wasn't going there to fight. That was not his plan. The day started like any other day for David and also for Goliath. Routines, all it was. No warning of what was coming. Goliath never imagined that this would be his last day on earth. And David never thought, today I'm going to become a hero. They were just doing what they normally would do. And as David arrives, he sees the army spread out below him on the hillside and they're in their formations, their battle formations. And of course, as a young man, he's pretty excited about that and maybe a little concerned for his brothers. His days are usually pretty boring. He's tending the sheep and caring for them, but he hears the war cry of the troops, and here's what the Scripture say: David left the things that he had brought with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking to them, Goliath the Philistine, champion from Gath, stepped out from the lines and showed, uh, shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. Now, this is day 40 for the army of Israel. But this is day number one for David. And David cannot believe what he's hearing. He's enraged. He's neither impressed nor intimidated by this giant. Here's what David knows in his head. No matter how big the giant, my God is bigger. That's what he already knows. No matter how big the giant, my God is bigger. By the way, there's something different about Goliath's position on this day that David arrives. And if you went back in the story and looked at the verse 8, it says, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel and said to them, but on this day, some of the scholars point out that some of the translations read like this. They said, have you seen this one, meaning Goliath, who is coming up? Here's the point. Goliath has not only come across the valley, he's now bold enough to start coming up Israel's side. What does this mean? It means if you ignore your giants long enough, they will creep, creep closer. They'll start to take over and dominate you. Without resistance, giants advance, they become strongholds in your life. Finish this phrase If you give him an inch, he'll take a. Exactly. And if you don't deal with the giants in your life, the giants will deal with you. If you don't deal with the giants in your life, the giants will deal with you. Within minutes of hearing all this, David goes straight to King Saul. And here's what he says. Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant, meaning himself, will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out and fight uh, You're not able to go out against this Philistine and and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. Now, let's pause here for a second and think about this. Like a world-class athlete would do, David says, put me in, coach. (laughs) Give me the ball. Let me take the big shot. I'm ready. David is courageous because he's got total confidence, not in himself, but in God. I want you to notice something else in the story here. Nowhere in this story does it say, like many people think, that David was small or weak, that he was frail. That's not the case at all. Saul's words here in this passage are, you are young and inexperienced as a warrior, unlike Goliath, who's older and skilled and probably has killed many people. How do we know that David was not small and frail? Well, David tells us in this story how he has himself killed a lion and killed a bear while protecting the sheep. He acknowledges God's hand in those victories, but let's not suppose that David was weak. David was not gripped by worry or fear like all the rest of the men. He knows that the battle belongs to the Lord. He's convinced, I'm not the one fighting Goliath. God is the one fighting Goliath. He would say, there's only one giant in this valley, and it's not Goliath. It's God. Which raises a question. Who or what do you see as the giant in your life? Who or what do you see as the giant in your life? Is it it people? Is it pressures? Is it problems? Or, like David, do you see the giant in your life as God, who is infinitely bigger than any giant we might face. How you answer that question, by the way, determines whether you're gripped by worry or fear. If God is the giant in your life, it minimizes worry and fear. If your pressures, problems, and people are the, are, are the giants in your life, well, you can be assured you're going to be dismayed and terrified just like these guys are. David says, the same God who gave me victory over the lion and the bear will give me the power to defeat this giant. And here's the application for us today. Listen, the same God who gives you victory over sin and death through Jesus will strengthen you today to face whatever giants you have in your life. The same God who gives you victory over sin and death through Jesus is the same God who will help you, will give you victory And strengthen you today to face head-on whatever giant you have in your life. I think the Apostle Paul said it the best. I can do all things through Christ who gives me what? Strength. Sure, David was young. He was a teenager. He was inexperienced as a soldier. He wasn't inexperienced as a warrior. Soldier, yes. Warrior, no. Look what happens next. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic, and he put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because well, he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Now, he took them off not because they didn't fit, but because he wasn't used to them. Remember, Saul's head and shoulders above Israel. David himself, but yet David himself dressed himself in Saul's armor. Why? Well, he thought it would fit. He thought the armor might fit him. Otherwise, why put it on? But he wasn't used to wearing armor. He had no experience fighting with armor on. It's not something shepherds do. Instead, he chose to rely on what he knows rocks, slings, and God. What David relied on, you can rely on as well. Let's, keep, let's continue. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in his pouch of the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. While every other soldier in Israel's army only sees the size of the giant, David only sees the size of God. And through this whole narrative, all 43 verses of 1 Samuel chapter 17, no one except David even mentions God. Not Saul, not his brothers, none of the soldiers. They only saw the giant, but David only sees God. Look what happens next. David said to the Philistines, To the Philistine, he said, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I I will strike you down and cut off your head. All those gathered here will know that it's not by the sword or the spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you, the whole army, into our hands. And all those gathered here... And we'll we'll know that it's not by the sword or the spear, as David said, but by because the battle belongs to the Lord. And David's plan works. The giant comes running out from behind the armor bearer, he charges at David, and he uh, and David places a stone in his sling. And just as he has done, I would say at least ten thousand times before, he slings a stone. He hits Goliath in the face, more exactly, in the forehead, and the Goliath falls to the ground. And with his, and I'm sure with his brothers watching from one side and the armies of uh, the Philistine army watching from the other side, David runs over, and he takes Goliath's sword, which is a massive sword, and he cuts off his head. And I can't prove this, but I'm sure what happened next, I just know it happened for sure, is, is David must... He bowed right there. He, he just went down like that. There's no doubt about it. And uh, I can't prove it, but I'm sure it happened. Uh, And he just thanked God. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. The fight was fixed. (laughs) The fight was fixed. Goliath never had a chance. Because David did not kill Goliath for God. God killed Goliath through David. God is the giant slayer, not David. And the giants you face in your life, you alone cannot slay those giants, whatever they are. But with God's help, trusting in the Lord because the battle belongs to him, you can defeat those giants. Back uh, in May of this year, my son, uh, he went to Israel. And uh, they were on a tour of the Holy Land. And they happened to go to the Valley of Elah. This place we're talking about. And what's cool about the Valley of Elah is there has been no development there. It's just like it was 3,000 years ago. They haven't built anything there. There's no archaeological digs there. It's just like it was. There's a valley a couple hundred yards wide and two hillsides. And there's a creek bed. used to be a stream. It says stream here in the text, but now it's a dry creek bed. And it's on the Israel side of where they were camped. And so he went there with a group, and they were out uh, walking around the valley and stuff and uh, just taking in the sights and just putting themselves in this scene. And he went over to the creek bed. And, um, I mean, you can walk in the creek bed. And the same creek bed where David picked up five stones, my son picked up five stones, and he put them in his bag. And then when he got back a couple of weeks later, it was Father's Day. And he gave me a Father's Day gift. This one right here. Those five stones came out of the creek bed where David picked up the stones in the valley of Elah. Now, someone asked me, why did David pick up five stones? He only needed one. Why why did he pick up five stones? Remember, Goliath had four brothers. And some say, some scholars believe that this was symbolic. Of what David's army would ultimately do to all of them as well. And if you read 2 Samuel chapter 9, what you read is all four of Goliath's brothers were killed in battles against Israel. I don't know what giant you're facing today. Maybe it's related to your job, maybe it's related to your roommate, maybe it's related to your school, maybe it's a person, maybe it's a lawsuit. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's unemployment. Maybe the giant you're facing is your own family. I don't know. Perhaps it's some worry or fear that's lurking right around the corner, draining your energy, zapping your strength. And I believe that God is saying to you right now, all I ask from you is a smooth stone and a sling of faith. Trust. Trust in me, he says. And I'll take it from here. God says you don't have to wear somebody else's armor. Just trust in me. Be willing to take the big shot and do what you need to do. He says I'll fight your battles for you. And Jesus reminds us in the New Testament that through him we are victorious in this life and in the life to come. He says don't fear, I've overcome the world. I love what Mark, Pastor Mark Batterson says. He's got a great quote that goes, God wants to get you where God wants you to go even more than you want to get you where God wants to go. God wants you to go. I think that's true. God wants to get you to a place of trust in him so that he can fight your battles for you, so that he can fight the giants in your life for you because you can't. I can't. Not on my own. And this means that God's fighting for us. And with God on your side, there's always hope for a new life, a better life. There's always hope for starting over. There's always hope for something good that will come out of our greatest fears and our biggest disappointments. God is a giant killer. And what he did to Goliath, he can and will do to the giants in your life, if you let him. But it starts with having genuine trust, genuine faith, to have a heart that is a heart that's after God, like David's was. It starts with having a willingness to to sling a stone, a faith. Take the big shot against the giants in your life, because if you don't take a shot of faith against them, they're just going to keep advancing. If you don't deal with them, they're going to deal with you. And as we often say around here at Journey, with Jesus anything is possible. We don't say that because it's a cute phrase. We say that because we believe it to be true. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. With Jesus, anything is possible. So I wrap this up. Let me remind you, there is another shepherd who was also born in Bethlehem. One infinitely greater than David. And his name is Jesus. And the Bible calls him the good shepherd. And what did the good shepherd do? Well, Isaiah the prophet tells us what the good shepherd did. The spirit of the the Lord is upon me. This is referring to Jesus. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness for prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is all about salvation. This is to remind us that the Jesus' coming does, in fact, bring us today the year of the Lord. The year of the Lord's favor is here now. The year of the Lord's salvation is here today. Jesus fought and won the greatest victory the world has ever known. He slayed the giant of death itself, not by slinging a stone at it, but by rolling a stone away from it. And this is the heart of the gospel, my friends. Death has been conquered once and for all by Jesus and for you. Let me conclude with this statement. Let this sink into your heart. There is no need to worry and fear because your biggest giant is already dead. The giant of death. Jesus has defeated sin and death for you. All you have to do is put your trust in him. Just like David trusted in God, we need to trust in Jesus. Let him lead us and guide us. And thank him for defeating the greatest giant of our lives, and that is death itself. Let's pray together. Father, we pause just now, and we thank you for just the opportunity to look at this man of faith. And if we could have just but a fraction of the faith in you that he demonstrates in his life, what a blessing that would be, Lord. I pray that you would just give us the courage to seek you and to trust you and to follow you no matter where it leads, because the battle does belong to you, our Lord. And we can't fight in our own strength. Oh, we can, but we'll lose. Allow us to accept your help, to fight in your power, to put our trust not in the things of this world, which are fading away every single day, but to put our trust in the promises of this word and the truth of your scripture, because we know that the battle always belongs to the Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to the weekly podcast from Journey Christian Church. If this message was a blessing to you, be sure to click the follow button and share it with your family and friends. For more information about Journey Christian Church, please go to journeychristian.com.